Good morning. I want to extend Christian greetings to each of you. I count it a privilege to be here and to share with you this morning. How many of you like object lessons? Most of you here do. I know I enjoy them. It's a little easier to, to remember some things when, when there is an object lesson. And uh, this morning I have an object lesson. And I wasn't quite sure how I ought to do it. Uh, it's nice to have volunteers to come forward and to help out sometimes. But I know sometimes when you're up front, it's not that great of a feeling. And so it's better to kind of stay where you are sometimes. And so I think I'm going to just let you stay where you are this morning. And I'll try to, try to do it from here and, and let, you be the, let you be the help this morning from your seats. I have two pieces of paper here with me this morning, and you may not be able to see too well from the back what they are, but one is a, a $1 bill, the other one is a $100 bill. And if I was to give you the choice this morning of which one you wanted, which one would you choose? I, it, it's your choice. Which one would you choose? Okay, the $100 bill. And why? It's worth more. The story is told of a man, and I'm going to use the name Simon, because some people thought he was pretty simple. Simon visited the, the local truck stop quite frequently, and the word got around about Simon. Because the truckers in there would found out that if you would go up to, to Simon and, and show Simon a, a dollar bill and a quarter, and they'd ask him, Simon, which one would you choose? Simon would choose the quarter. And this went on for a number of years. And... Of course, as time went on, there was, there was more people that found out about it, more truckers that found out about it, and they'd stop in, and, and of course, they were curious about this Simon. Wonder if he would take my dollar or if he would take my quarter. And so they would play the game, and Simon would take the quarter every time. And I don't know how long this went on, but, but there was a, a man that, that came in there quite quite frequently and, and he knew what was going on. And he asked Simon one day, he said, Simon, he said, we've been watching you for a number of years. And he said, when somebody gives you the, the opportunity to take a dollar or a quarter, he said, you always chose the lesser one. Why did you do that? Well, Simon wasn't quite as simple as what people let on. Because you know what he said? He said, if I'd have taken the dollar the first time, the game would have been over. <laughs> but most Americans want the same thing. More. More money. More things. More leisure. Just, just more of everything except personal responsibility. 
You know, we are a very blessed people. And I just heard a statistic a couple of weeks ago that if you have a, if you have a little money in the bank and some spare change laying on your dresser or in the car somewhere, that you are in the top 8% of the wealthy. Think about that. You are in the top 8% of the wealthy. If you have money in the bank and if you have some change on your dresser. Where does that put you this morning? We are a blessed people. Materialism. Materialism, simply put, is the, the love of things. It's the, it's the lifestyle of, of selfish. It's the, it's the religion of the greedy. And materialism is, is Satan's most successful lore. And with it, that old angler has, has hooked more people and brought them into his fellowship than with almost any other lures in his tackle box. Whether you are a Christian or not, once you get, once you get caught up in, into it, you will sacrifice your family, your faith, and your future in pursuit of the goal of, of getting more and more. Materialism is a sin because it is essentially putting our faith in things rather than in God. Greed comes naturally. And it comes early in life. We, we realize that in, in children because it's not too long that after they start saying a few words, what's one of the words that they say? Mine. <laughs> Mine. Selfishness comes naturally. On the back of, of each of these bills, have you ever stopped and looked at it? What does it say? It's on both of these. It says, in God we trust. And too often... We never get to look beyond the green part of it. God is our security, or he should be. Fear and worry drives us to think we need to accumulate more and more in case something happens. We are afraid that if we, if we lose certain things, we won't be able to function or, or even survive. And so this morning I want, want us to look at avoiding the dangers of materialism. Materialism is, is deceptively dangerous, and I see, it, I see it moving into the church. Not too long ago I was, I was working for a man by the, by the name of, of Dean. His last name is Dean. And he's, he's building a, a fairly large house. And this, this Mr. Dean is, is not a very old man. 
I would say he's probably just a little younger than I am. And from what little I've been around him, he seems to, to be a, a man of wealth. And I don't know if any of you here would know who Miller Dean is. Does anybody here know who Miller Dean is or know of what, what he does or what he did? Nobody here. Well, you'll understand a little bit more later, maybe. And I don't think this, this man is related to, to Miller Dean at all, but I find it interesting relating the two together because Miller Dean and his wife, Linda, they lived the, they lived the lifestyle of the rich and famous. And at the age of, of 29, Miller had, had become a millionaire, and because of his obsession with, with making money and, and accumulating wealth, he almost lost his wife forever. Linda left her husband over his obsession. But he loved her more than anything else, and so he went after her, and, and they, they reconciled, and, and they determined to put God first and foremost in, in their life and to, and to live in a simple way. And so they, they sold their possessions and they gave to the proceeds to charity and they started all over again. But this time with, with God at the head of their home. And Millard became the founder and president of Habitat for Humanity. And in his book, Building Materials for Life, he said the more possessions one accumulates the more thinking is devoted to them. Did you get that? The more possessions one accumulates, the more thinking is devoted to them. First scripture this morning, I'd like for you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount, and I would like to start at verse 19. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. And I'll stop reading there. Even though we are to be spiritually minded, we do live in a physical world. And God knows that, that we need certain things in order to, to survive. Look at verse 31 and 32. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? 
or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Jesus acknowledges this aspect of, of our lives. But he wants us to have the right attitude towards earthly possessions. And Jesus warns us of two sins in this chapter. In the verses we read, he, he warns against greed. And then the rest of the chapter, he warns against worry concerning the, the material things of life. This morning, I want to focus on the, on the first part. We, we live in a very materialistic society. We talk about the, the American dream, largely in terms of material wealth. Many Christians are living in pursuit of the American dream more than obedience to our text of Scripture today. And I want to challenge you to consider if you are obeying the commands that our Lord gives in this passage. First of all, don't hoard earthly possessions for yourself. Jesus says here in verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Lay not up is the, is the verb form of the word treasure, so it can be literally translated, don't treasure up treasures. It means to, to store up, to gather, to save, to put in reserve. And it can refer to hoarding up possessions. And the verb tense can be translated, stop storing up. And Jesus knew the, the ever-present reality of, of this common problem. Does Jesus mean that, that making provisions for the future is wrong? I don't think so. For when you take this in... In the context of the whole Bible, we can conclude that, that saving is, is not wrong in itself. For an example, in, in Proverbs, Solomon commends the ant, which, which works hard to, to store up food for the winter. The squirrel is, is another example of an animal that God created with the instinct to, to store up nuts for the winter and beyond. Joseph was led of God in a dream to, to advise Pharaoh to store up food during the, the next seven years of plenty so that they would, would have food for the seven years of drought that was sure to come. And God saved Joseph's family through that. In 1 Corinthians 16, Paul taught the Christians in Corinth to Store up their offering for, for the poor, for the poor saints in Jerusalem. And so we can, we can safely conclude that, that saving up money is not wrong in and of itself. In fact, it's, it's wise to, to save money for a specific purpose. If you know you have a big expense coming up, it's, it's wise to set aside monies so that you will have the of the money when you need it. Foresight is, is greatly needed by all of us. 
What then does, does, Jesus, does Jesus mean? I believe it's important to point out that, that laying up treasures is not to be done for yourselves. He's speaking against the, the selfish hoarding of earthly possessions. Hoarding is the accumulation of possessions without a specific legitimate purpose, and you never reach the point where you say, huh, I have enough. This is one manifestation of an improper attitude of, of greed, of covetousness, and the love of money. Why do people hoard possessions? Some hoard up material things for the sake of boasting in how much you own. Rich people can become very conceited. It's the attitude that says, he who dies with the most toys wins. Some hoard up possessions in an attempt to achieve a sense of economic security. And the problem with that is they trust in their bank account or their storehouse rather than God. But if you go back a little in the chapter here to verse 11, Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our what? Our daily bread. We are to trust in God to provide day by day. We are not to trust in riches. In fact, Paul addresses both of these spiritual problems in 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Another reason people hoard wealth is, is the pursuit of happiness. And yet the Apostle Paul says, said this in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Here's another story that's very similar to the first one I shared. J. Paul Getty, who, who founded the Getty Oil Company, was the richest American in 1957. And yet he, he experienced much unhappiness. He was divorced five times. And he once said that he would have sacrificed his entire fortune in exchange for a successful marriage. And several of those women he lived with said that they could not share the life of a man devoured by a possession or devoured by a passion for business. Well, his family became disunited. Some of his children were were resentful that he forced them to work. His grandson was, was kidnapped to, to get a ransom, and he, he finally agreed to pay $2.2 million after 
they had cut off his grandson's ear. His grandson was permanently affected by the trauma and became a drug addict. And Getty admitted that money could be an obstacle to happiness. What about today? Do you have a tendency to, to hoard possessions? Is your garage, your storage building, your attic full of stuff? I remember getting ready for, for my folks' auction, and I wondered why all the stuff. And I look at my own place, and I look around and I see that I have some work to do before the auction. I've tried to come up with the idea that if I don't plan to use it within the year, then it should go on. It needs to go. Do we store things that we haven't used in years? Do we have thousands of dollars in the bank that, without any idea of, of what we are saving it for? It's called hoarding. Some years ago, we put an addition onto a home for, for a lady. And this new addition was, was her, her kitchen. She needed a new, new kitchen. And when we had just about had the, the new kitchen ready, we went in to disassemble the, the old kitchen cabinets to remodel that room. And we were left with the job to clean out her cabinets. And we pulled bags upon bags of brand new Tupperware out of those cabinets. She constantly brought things home saying if, if she didn't like it, she'd return it. And by the looks of her place, she didn't return it all. There are those who hoard to the extreme. Jesus gives several reasons why we shouldn't hoard earthly possessions. He gives both practical and spiritual reasons. First of all, we shouldn't hoard our possessions because they do not last. In the last part of, of verse 19 in our text, it says, Where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. Jesus refers to all three primary forms of wealth in the ancient world. One sign of wealth was to have several garments of, of fine clothing. And yet, moths could eat away at clothing and ruin them. James 5, 2 says, your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Another important form of, of wealth was to have a a barn or cellar full of food. And Jesus warns of, of rust 
corrupting earthly possessions. And that word rust means an act of eating. And the word corrupt means to cause to disappear. And you can store away your food, but hungry bugs, mice, or other animals can, can devour your food and cause it to disappear. Or they can at least contaminate your food where, where you won't want to eat it. Also, precious metals were an important sign of, of wealth. And yet Jesus warned that you could lose that form of wealth in one day. He said that thieves could break in and, and steal it from you. It's interesting that the words break through literally means to dig through. In Palestine, many of the many of the houses were made out of thick clay spread over a, a wooden wooden frame. And so their houses were not all that secure. So thieves could dig through and steal. Today our possessions can can be protected and preserved better, but they are they are still subject to loss. They still do not last, and no matter what you do, none of our material possessions have eternal value. You may be able to avoid the problems of, of malls today, but how many times have you come out of a closet full of clothes and say, I don't have anything to wear? Our clothes do tend to, to wear out. Or they shrink after being washed so many times. At least that's what we try to blame it on. Even though we have better means of preserving our food and protecting it, God can allow certain things to, to take that even away from us because the freezer may stop working and it may be too late till we find out about it. We have... We have banks, we have safety deposit boxes, we have locks, alarm systems, but we can still lose our possessions through theft. All of us have had something stolen or at least know someone that has had something stolen. Today we can lose money through identity theft. We can have our car stolen. We can have our house burglarized. And even the, the housing market can crash. And then we tend to think that we spend a pile of money on, on taxes. And then there's our vehicles that, you know, they wear out, they get rusty or they're involved in an accident. And then our buildings, you know, they're, they decay. I was working on a project just recently where, where the roof had to be torn completely off and, and replaced because of powder post beetles. And then there's, there's havoc brought about by fire and, and hurricanes and tornadoes and floods and earthquakes. And God reminds us of these things occasionally. And so Jesus was absolutely right. Earthly treasures do not last. 
And so why should a man spend most of his waking hours accumulating more wealth than he really needs when much of it will not last long at all or none of it will benefit beyond the grave? When we set our hearts upon such things, we will live in perpetual insecurity, worry, disappointment, and dissatisfaction. Well, Jesus gives us another reason why we shouldn't hoard earthly wealth, and that's in verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Because possessions can steal your heart from God. Jesus warned, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus is saying, don't lay up your treasures on earth. Because that's where your heart's going to be. How true that is. You know, if you have a, if you have a lot of money in the bank, where's your mind? It's at the bank because you hope that it's safe there. If you highly value your possessions, then your heart, your soul, your life will be wrapped up in them. And the more you possess, the more your mind will be on your possessions. Remember in Genesis 19, where Lot and his wife were, were told to flee, to make haste and to not look back, Lot's wife had material things on her mind. And yeah, she looked back, and we, we know the story, and how she became a pillar of salt. She became a monument for those looking on to understand the importance of obedience and not to be attached to this old world or, or the things in it. Where is your heart? Where is the love of your life? And I'm not talking about the one you're sitting beside or who's across the aisle this morning. But a test of your relationship to possessions is this. What loss would devastate you the most? Would it be your home? Would it be your bank account? Would it be the loss of your job? Or would it be the loss of a loved one? Or would it be the loss of a close communication and relationship with God? If a loss of any material possessions would be high on the list, then, then your heart is, is wrapped up in that possession. Don't let material possessions steal your heart from God. He may call you to serve him on the mission field. And if you have invested much much time and, and money into your house, into your possessions. And then you'll, you'll probably not want to leave those behind. And I know there have been those who have, hey, they've, they've given up their home and they've, they've went to serve. But how attached are we? Maybe God wants you to serve in some other way. But you're so busy with, with your employment that you feel that you don't have time for God. When our focus is on material wealth, we miss 
what is most important. And we see it in the way people, people think and do. It changes their, their outlook on, on life. It changes the way people treat others and view others. There's another reason why we shouldn't hoard earthly possessions. It's because possessions can enslave you. In verse 24, Jesus warned, No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He says you cannot serve God and mammon. The word serve means to be a slave of. The word master is elsewhere translated Lord. Jesus is saying that you cannot be a slave both to God and possessions. Jesus is implying that we should be slaves to God. He must be the master of our lives. He is our creator and our redeemer, and we have been bought with a price but if you possess wealth your wealth will often possess and control you it can become your lord and your god think of judas he sold out his soul for 30 pieces of silver was it not money that led him to deliver christ into the hands of the enemy it's amazing what what people will do to, to get money. People become slaves to their, to their source of money, whether it's through an honest employer or some dishonest source. Some people work long hours and wear themselves out for money. Others risk their lives for it. Jesus wants us to be free to serve him. And we have to decide which master we're going to serve. Material wealth will not bring satisfaction to one's soul. We need to heed the warning that God gives and not hoard earthly possessions. He not only tells us what we, what we shouldn't do, but tells us what we should do. He says we should, we should lay up treasures in heaven. Instead of devoting so much time and energy accumulating things Far beyond our, our present needs. Jesus says in verse 20, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So you see, the, the Lord didn't condemn all desire to, to accumulate treasure as long as it's heavenly treasure. The passion for treasure is redirected, you might say. We should give eternal heavenly treasure a, a higher priority than, than earthly treasure. Jesus said in John 6, 27, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life. And Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 4.18, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 
A man is wise who, who builds his happiness and future on the things that, that last. You can lose your wealth. You can lose your life and every earthly thing that you have. But John 3.16 says that we can have eternal life. 1 Peter 1.4 says that we can have an inheritance that will never fade away or become corrupt. Once we obtain our heavenly reward, it will be ours forever. Some of us will never become rich in earthly things. But all of us can become rich toward God. And so how do we lay up eternal treasures in heaven? I have three ways I want to look at. And one is by giving. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. In Matthew 19, 21, Jesus told a rich young man to go sell all that he had and give, the poor, and give to the poor and he would have treasure in heaven. And so by, by giving generously, we can lay up treasure in heaven. The more we distribute for the, for the blessing of others, the more wealth we lay up in heaven. Such money is, is transferred to a truly safe deposit box. The types of giving that, that qualify for laying up in heaven are to meet needs. Proverbs 19.17 says, He that hath pity on the poor lendeth unto the Lord. Give to those who have needs. I was working some time ago for a man and the boss told me where I needed to go that morning and so I went, went to that job. And at that job, there was a, a man there that was doing some drywall work. And there seemed to be some problems going on. He didn't seem to be just too chipper. And so I tried to talk to the, to the man and, and just kind of ask him what was, what was going on in his life. And he said, well, things weren't going too good. He said his marriage wasn't all that great. And he said he just, he felt that the, the best way to take care of everything was to go and end his life. He also was having some financial problems and he didn't have much gas in his car. And, and so I, I gave him some money for gas. Whether he used it for that, I don't know. But I told the man, I said, look, I said, think about the choices you're making. And I asked him, I said, do you go to church anywhere? And he said, well, I did. But he said, I haven't gone for some time. And I said, well, have, do you know of a minister anywhere that you would feel comfortable talking to? 
Yeah, he knew of one that he felt like he could probably talk to. I said, go and talk to him. And I said, start going to church. I said, I don't care where you go. Just, just go. Go on a regular basis. We had prayer that, that afternoon. I didn't know what was going to happen to Jimmy. It went quite a long time. Several years went past. I hadn't seen Jimmy. And you know, when you're in a situation like that, you watch the paper. See if his name shows up. Hadn't seen his name. One day I walked into our local lumber yard and I looked around the corner the counter there and there stood Jimmy. Jimmy looked over and he saw me and I said, Jimmy, how are things going? He said, going good. That was the only words that we had. That's the last time I've seen Jimmy. But Jimmy's still alive. Jimmy's still thinking. <laughs> Lend to those who are in need. Another kind of giving that is done to is to influence people for Christ. Turn to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. I'd like to read verse 9. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, that ye may, that, excuse me, when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting inhabitations. Everlasting habitations. Instead of using the money on yourself, use some to make friends of, for God. Invite your neighbors over for a meal. Use the opportunity to, to witness to them about Jesus. When you lead a person to Christ, you've laid up a treasure in heaven. Invest in the work of the gospel. Proverbs 3 and 9 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. For the Old Testament believer, there was promise of earthly reward in the very next verse there. But for the follower of Christ, 
there is the promise of a heavenly reward. Are you going to make a difference in the way that you give? Are you going to lay up treasure in heaven? Secondly, we invest by serving. We can give our t- of our time to advance the work of the gospel. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Are you using your time to, to serve Christ? Some of the last words of, of Jesus in the Bible are found in Revelation twenty two twelve. 12. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. Will he have an eternal reward for you? The third way is by investing in in building Christian character. The Jews always connected the phrase treasure in heaven with character. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaks of of building character and and the eternal reward of it. In chapter 5, verses 1 to 10, he speaks on on character qualities we we should seek. And And in verse, verse 12, he assures us of a great reward. I'd like to read that verse. Matthew 5, verse 12. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. In chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. We're not going to take the time to read these verses, but I would encourage you to do so in the near future. And in this passage, Jesus encourages the the practice of giving, of praying and fasting. And he assures us of a heavenly reward if we do so with right motives. Jesus speaks of a heavenly reward nine times in the Sermon on the Mount. We build character by, by learning God's word, by believing God's word and, and putting it to practice on a consistent basis. In conclusions, I'd like to look at verse 33 of chapter 6 of Matthew. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness And all these things shall be added unto you. Seek God first. Follow his word in regarding to material things. And you will have the earthly possessions that you need. And you may even have more than enough to share with others. But you will also have those things that are eternal. That, and that's, that's what really matters. 
I don't know who wrote this, but I, I read this, and I, so I cut it out. I'd like to share it here with you this morning. Someone said, money will buy a bed but not sleep, books but not brains, a house but not a home, medicine but not health, religion but not salvation, a good life but not eternal life, a passport to anywhere but heaven. Money can buy a lot of things, but not what's most important. And so may we seek to escape the trap of materialism and instead seek first the kingdom of God. Shall we have a song?